Coming to you from a cozy little condo high atop old Fourth Ward, Atlanta. Welcome, Welcome to The Ron Show on America One Radio. Here's your host, Ron Roberts. Last night I had the opportunity to watch a short film that sort of takes your breath away, almost literally. And uh, joining me to discuss it, along with Melita Easters from the Georgia Winlist, Executive Director of the Georgia Winlist, is Jillian Rabin. She is the writer, the director, producer, the actress, who, by the way, I noticed goes unnamed in the short. And I have so many questions about uh, some of the decisions made in this movie. But anyway, uh, Jillian, thank you so much for joining us and discussing your uh, short film called L8. I appreciate you giving me the time. Thank you so much for having me, Ron. So first, let's congratulate you. Winner of Best Screenplay uh, at Hollywood Just for Shorts, uh, Outstanding Achievement at Willie Fest Screenplay Competition, quarterfinalist for ScreenCraft's Short Film Screenplay Competition, quarterfinalist for the Blue Cat Short Film Screenplay Competition, Women in Film and Television Atlanta 2023 Short Film Showcase Best Screenplay Award. Congratulations. Not a bad job. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was incredibly honored to receive those awards. So I watched this film last night and, again, sort of breathtaking to immediately get involved in your character and your character's boyfriend's story. Tell us real quick the synopsis uh, before we go about sharing it and telling folks that they can watch it in our show notes at ronshowatl.com. Sure. So the synopsis is it's October 2024 in Texas. And a law has just been passed in the Texas legislature called L-8. And that bill um, increases the penalty of aiding or abetting an abortion from life in prison to death. And so we see the unfolding of this not-so-dystopian reality. Um, There are different elements like report aboard, which is a a system where people can... uh, essentially report one another and earn money doing so for suspected uh, nefarious quote-unquote activity. Mm. There's also a state-mandated app called the SoFlow app, um, which is a pregnancy period and fertility tracking app. So every woman of, uh, you know, from basically 15 to 45 in in that fertile window has to test every month. Um, And you can't leave the state. There are just a lot of different... uh, reproductive rights measures that are uh, taken in this state. And so we kind of see this whole story unfold from the insular uh, bathroom of our girl. Mm -hmm. And so um, she essentially has to find a way to get around the system. And her only choice is using her own mother, um, who is very conservative and um, has to make some pretty tough decisions there at the end. So when you started writing this, did Texas already have laws on the books that uh, would uh, encourage folks to report people who were trying to seek abortions illegally? Because that's not dystopian. That's actually a thing. Yes. So a lot of the things that are in the film that would be, quote, dystopian are based on reality. So uh, even L-8, you know, L-8 is based on SB-8. Mm. Um, the report board is based on the bounty bills in Texas. Mm. Um, the SoFlow app is based on a myriad of period tracking apps that are already mm-hmm. um, in, you know, uh, in the mainstream. Um, and I was getting a, a lot of um, different 
uh, ads on Instagram and social media for at-home fertility testing at that time. Mm. And so I uh, had incorporated the fertility tracking app as uh, the fertility aspect of that as well, because there were, uh, in my research, I found a lot of different data breaches with these um, period tracking apps. And Mm. my question was, who is, has access to this data and who is getting this data and could it not be utilized by a state to ensure that, you know, a woman could not leave if she were pregnant, um, essentially keeping her trapped within her own state lines. Shades of Big Brother, but I really like the touch you give in the feel of this movie when she goes days after day after day after day with the blood testing to find out that she's not pregnant. And then the one day that she's tardy in reporting her blood work through the app, she gets a call from uh, not a big brother type, you know, nefarious sounding male voice, but a girl who tries to sound relatable to you calling from SoFlo. Yes. Yeah. Um, for me, that was an element that I wanted to include because so often with these things that are marketed towards women, um, we get these like SoFlo in our film is this incredibly saccharine, very like, very, you know, quote, girly, floral, uh, mm-hmm. has like these cute AI animals, like has like this sound that, you know, if you watch the film, you'll you'll hear it's like a cheering every time the girl is not pregnant and is fertile and um, becomes a through line. But the reason I wanted uh, Kaylee, the SoFlo rep, to sound so happy and cheerful is because I find that to be even more ominous and scary yes. than just just this like why why aren't you coming to the you know mm-hmm. you need to come to the social clinic it's it's very much like hey girly like how yes. are you doing today right. because it is this um we're essentially pinning women against one another as well when we have these measures in place that keep us from having reproductive choice and access to reproductive care. And it made me think about some of the target marketing that's done uh, pregnancy crisis uh, centers that right wing religious organizations uh, prop up to try and con women into coming into their facilities to avoid making uh, a choice that should be readily available to them. Yes. So Jillian, you're, you're a young woman. Uh, you just recently graduated, uh, I believe from Oglethorpe university. How politically active were you before the Dobbs decision? I would attend rallies and protests, uh, specifically like around black lives. Yeah. I, I would say not as active as I could have been. Um, but I went through the more traditional routes of activism. I would like, you know, call senators and send letters and sign petitions and stuff like that. But with, you know, uh, the overturning of Roe v. Wade, that's when I felt like the normal uh, modes of protest uh, were not really, I didn't really feel like I was making an impact. Um, And I just felt like, you know, screaming by the Capitol and marching, those are all phenomenal things to do. Mm. But who is listening? And I knew that, um, in college, my my undergraduate honors thesis was about artistic activism okay, and how storytelling can change people's minds it, done in a very careful and, and, and curated, crafted way. Because the last thing you want to do is make someone who does not agree with you feel as though 
you're attacking them. And so that was my main mission with L8 was to spark a conversation, like an actual dialogue around this, where people are, I'm presenting a reality and I'm not promoting one or the other. I'm just showing a potential trajectory and making, I want people to feel rather than, uh, to, to feel human rather than feel Democratic or Republican, if that makes sense. Sure. We're on with Melita Easter's executive director of the Georgia Windless, also actor, writer, producer of the short film L8, Jillian Rabin. We will have that in today's show notes at ronshowatl.com so you can watch for yourself. Also sharing it on Facebook and uh, Twitter, X as well, at ronshowatl. So I, I asked you about your, your, your political activism, Jillian, because uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of curious, when you compare that to your contemporaries and your demographic, uh, I, I would guess you would think that you're probably more uh, politically active than, than most people your age. But give us a sense of the activism uh, post-Dobbs. Uh, you mentioned Black Lives Matter uh, during civil rights struggles. Obviously, uh, for, for young voters your age, uh, guns in schools and on college campuses, yeah. uh, shooting. Has this all sort of activated a youth movement that maybe the mainstream media doesn't even realize or, or, or understand the gravity of the weight of? I think so. I mean, I've had many friends. Uh, so I'm from South Florida. So like I had been to Parkland High School as one of the, there was like a high school theater organization that would go to that school. I've, I've been there. So to know about the Parkland shootings, uh, a friend of mine, you know, there was a shooting on a bunch of my friends went to UCF and there was a shooting on their campus. Um, a friend of mine was at a concert, but there was a shooting. I, I've had a lot of uh, personal ties to those events. And um, I think, I think, uh, you know, with the, pl- the proliferation of social media as well, mm-hmm. it's easier to get uh, some, some pretty, you know, uh, you're, you're very close to what's happening. Right. And I think that um, there is a youth movement um, surrounding gun rights, surrounding, uh, you know, uh, social activism uh, around civil rights, around equality, gender equality. Um, you know, I have so many friends who are non-binary and trans and I fight for them just like I fight for every, I just, I just wish that we had a world. I feel like, I feel like it's time for everyone to just uh have rights. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I feel. Yeah. So we we're, we're back back to your movie LA. This is a single issue movie. Um you mm-hmm. would but you obviously don't sound like a single issue voter and yet here we are going into an election cycle where there are camps of single issue voters who are concerned or 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 dis uh, dis uh, discouraged or uh, you know, just kind of lacking enthusiasm because they don't see movement uh, on their particular single uh, issue. And yet, on right. the, on on the issue of, uh, of of abortion rights of of women's uh, choice, there there seems to be a, a more in, uh, emboldened uh, energy that comes from actually having taken a step back, despite there being a Democrat in the White House. Uh, would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely think it's it's an emboldened group for sure. From my own personal experience, I grew up in a time where I didn't have to think about that. And I think that, yeah. that that's part of it is all of a sudden, you know, here I am. I was 20, just 25. And all of a sudden my uh, right to reproductive access and care is taken away. So I, you know, 
I think that is part of that emboldened movement as well as, you know, you have a lot of people who lived with this certain right. And then all of a sudden we're not, we're, we're just fighting for, for what we had, yeah. <laughs> for what our predecessors had. We're on with producer, screenwriter, and actress, Jillian Rabin, the movie L8, set in a uh, not-so-distant future, period tracking is state-mandated, abortion now punishable by death in states like Texas, and reporting abortion suspicions lucrative to earn cash. And she plays a young woman caught in the middle of that. So we're going to talk more with her about this movie. We also, again, have on the phone here, and I thank you for being patient and, and listening in, uh, executive director of the Georgia Win List, Melita Easter's frequent guest on our show. We love having her on. So we'll talk about some of the legislative ramifications, if there's any action to be had, what's going on in the court system with cases pending as well. When the Ron Show returns here on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com or wherever you podcast. Welcome back to the Ron Show. We are on with Jillian Rabin, screenwriter, producer, actress, the L8 short film, chronicling the plight of a young Texas woman who is in a relationship and finds out that she's pregnant. Only this is the Texas with draconian abortion laws that make abortion and abortion access punishable by death for even medical providers. A Texas that tracks menstrual cycles of women living in the state and wouldn't even allow a woman to leave the state without providing proof that she's not pregnant so as to keep her from going to get an abortion outside the state. Sounds dystopian. It's actually, if you're following the headlines, not all that far from current day reality. Anyway, we're on with Jillian. We're also on with Melita Easters, of course, executive director of the Georgia Windless, frequent guest of The Ron Show. Uh, Jillian, I had another question I wanted to ask you about this movie. The movie was set in Texas. I'm sure you filmed here yeah. in Georgia, but the, the movie, the, the, the premise is set in Texas. Uh, for those who haven't seen, Jillian plays our girl, the woman who is pregnant, a white woman, but also is dating a black man. Did you purposely bring a racial element into the film or was that just a casting decision? I'm just curious about that. In terms of the uh, casting of our guy? Yeah. Yes, it was purposeful. Um, I did not want three white leads. Mm. And um, I, you know, am white. I'm a quarter Brazilian, but I look very white. So <laughs> I'm white. And, um, <laughs> you know, my mom was cast as, as white. And so I specifically wanted uh, I didn't have like a particular race in mind, but I just wanted someone who was not white. Um, and Jay uh, Black, who played uh, our guy, was phenomenal, and I, we had you know great chemistry. And so um, yeah, I was I, I was I, just I curious. I was just curious if if that if that went into the mindset in in the discussion because I think race is mm -hmm. is, is a part of the discussion when it comes to. Uh, abortion access and uh, yeah, when 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 you have a white female or a black male or a black female and a white male, the the, the family that becomes aware of a pregnancy sometimes mm -hmm. has a change of mindset or a little nuance to their position on this uh, discussion. Yeah, um, i I wanted it. I wanted that element to be present um, without it being like all of the elements that were present because there was even an environmental element as well um, that mm. I didn't want them to overtake, but I wanted there to be enough meat there that people could pick it apart and, and, and kind of find nuances there. So I'm glad that you saw that. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's just something that, that kind of crossed my mind because I've seen this play out a number of times. You know, I'm a nearly 50 year old uh, man who has lived in the South almost all, all my life, actually. 
And I've mm-hmm. seen I've seen those predicaments play out, and the subtle change in philosophy, particularly with uh, white families who have uh, children who find out that they're expecting. So I, right. I was just, yeah, I just wasn't sure if that was something that you were tapping into as well. I mean, this this is such a fascinating, full, full of depth, eighteen minute movie. The hats off to you, and I can see why you're getting all these awards for the screenplay. It is out, and folks can see it. Uh, again, we're going to include the link on our show page at ronshowatl.com. But Jillian, tell us, uh, how else can folks support the film being seen by more people or if they would like to help fund it to to get it out and where that kind of funding would help you? Yeah, so you can go to l8theofficialshort.com. So it's just the letter L, the number eight, theofficialshort.com. And there are uh, donation buttons there, um, all of the funding. So the film is already, you know, made and funded. So um any further funding is going to go towards having screenings around the country, um, promoting it on social media, um, which currently we're, you know, undergoing a little bit of difficulties with that because of the topic itself. We have been like banned from boosting. So but we're, we're fighting it right now and, and hopefully we'll be able to, to boost our posts soon. Um, but that's where the funding will go as well as uh, some film festival circuits. And then um, in terms of promoting the movie itself, if you don't have the funds, which a lot of people don't, and I understand that, uh, just sharing it within your circles, encouraging others to watch it, um, posting it on your social media with a link, um, talking about it with friends, hosting your own screenings. Mm. Uh, we'll have a discussion guide as well on the Georgia Winless website, and uh, it'll be on the L8 website soon, uh, where you can, the whole point is to have discussions. Show it to, if you have conservative parents, show it to your conservative parents. If you have, you know, conservative friends, show it to your conservative friends. The more people that watch it, the better the conversation the, the, the more conversations that will be had and the more close we can be to actual tangible change. Right. Melita Easter's executive director from the Georgia Windlist joining us as well. Melita, you've seen the film. You were there for a panel discussion uh, a few nights ago. Give us your reaction to the film and its reception. Well, the film was very warmly received during the premiere on Sunday afternoon at Theatrical Outfit in Atlanta. I was pleased that Georgia Winlist was introduced to this project more than a month ago. And after viewing the film then, I was happy for us to serve as a promotional partner with Jillian for the film premiere and then to organize a panel discussion of four currently serving Winlist endorsed legislators who talked about the film and also um, the current status of reproductive freedom in Georgia. So it was it was lovely to work with Jillian. You can't help but be enthusiastic about her um, grasp of the subject and her enthusiasm and dedication to the film project. Melita, I feel terrible. I just brought you into the conversation, and I know you and I, and I know that we're going to go on a lot longer if I throw any more questions at you, but I'm up against a hard break in like literally 100 seconds. So uh, we're going to come back and talk more about this movie. It's called L8. Uh, the synopsis set in a not-so-distant future where period tracking is state-mandated, abortion now punishable by death, and reporting abortion suspicions is a lucrative way to earn cash. This sounds like Texas, right? Well, this film is set in Texas in the not-too-distant future. Anyway, a young woman follows the cascade of coverage on Texas' first death penalty case from the solitude of her bathroom. That's right an abortion provider sentenced to death. 
Uh, after falling in love, the girl's cyclical life is abruptly jeopardized as she tries to outsmart the system using an unwilling and potentially deadly source to help her avoid the state finding out she's pregnant. That source, her own, very conservative, by the way, mother. Yeah, chilling stuff. Uh, we have the YouTube link. You can watch this whenever you like at ronchoatl.com. Also shared it uh, on Facebook at ronchoatl and uh, on Twitter X at ronchoatl as well. We are speaking with the screenwriter, the actress who played the girl, and of course the producer of this film, Jillian Rabin. We're also on with Melita Easters from the Georgia Winless. Again, we have so much more that uh, I want to discuss from the political spectrum of things as the General Assembly is back in session here under the Gold Dome in Atlanta. Uh, what could be happening at the congressional level, the federal level, of course, when we return. So uh, I'll give us a few minutes to take that break, Melita. I apologize again. I just know how we're going to go on. So we will do that when the run show returns here in minutes on the America One Radio app, AmericaOneRadio.com, or wherever you podcast. Archived audio, blogs, social media links, and more all in one place. Log on at RonShowATL.com. The Ron Show on America One Radio. We're on with producer, screenwriter, actress Jillian Rabin, she of the film L8. A film set in the not-so-distant future in Texas, and I'd like to say dystopian, but it's not far off of from actual headlines. A young woman finds out she's pregnant when she's reporting to the state her menstrual cycle. Yeah, and she's looking to get abortion access, but can't leave the state because she needs to report that she's not pregnant to the state. And the only way to do that is to provide a not-pregnant blood sample to the state's menstrual reporting app her only option being the blood of her very anti-choice conservative mother also joining us is the georgia winless executive director melita easter so let's talk shop just a little bit melita general assembly is back in session uh, you had uh, several lawmakers on the panel to discuss this and by the way we'll uh, include the georgia winless link to that panel discussion if you'd like to watch it. i think it's a fascinating discussion you guys have a, a good hour-long uh, conversation about legislative action and inaction and uh, where we stand with Georgia's current abortion ban. I know that's still sort of a, a court issue and the, the the legality of them passing a law before the Dobbs decision eliminated Roe v. Wade, making or not making that law viable. Uh, it's a valid question. And, and Melita, explain again, because we've had this discussion before on our show, why that's an important uh, distinction, passing a law that they knew wasn't legal at the federal level beforehand. Well, it had always been precedent in Georgia. Um, it's a concept called void ab initio, um, that when a law is illegal at the time it is passed, it, it can't be um, enforced. The Supreme Court has of Georgia has ruled to look the other way on that part of the case which has been brought against House Bill 481. The part which now still needs an opinion from Judge Robert McBurney in the Fulton Superior Court are the other challenges to the case, including the privacy provisions of Georgia law, which are stronger in Georgia than for many states. Mm -hmm. And the privacy provisions of the law are still being challenged. And um, we're still waiting for the ruling on that part of the law in Fulton Superior Court. And then, of course, either way, it would be appealed. Mm. So 
even as that is going on in the court system, Representative Shea Roberts, who was on our panel discussion Sunday evening, will um, has introduced last year a law, and there's a companion bill in the Senate introduced by Senator Sally Harrell, which would restore Georgia's laws about abortion and reproductive freedom back to um, the standards pre the overturn of Roe. And that bill in a Republican-controlled House and Senate is going nowhere. Mm. There was a hearing on that bill in early March of last year, sponsored only by the Democratic women. And I believe there will be other hearings this year so that advocates can at least make a record of how badly Mm. Georgia needs to restore reproductive freedom and repeal House Bill um, 481. And in fact, many, and this was a question we asked our panelists, many believe that if this law were um, 481 were put in front of the current General Assembly, it would not pass because members have changed and you have a 45-member first-year freshman term legislative delegation from both parties. So there are so many different players within the General Assembly that the Republicans would have a very hard time passing the ban that's currently being enforced. What about a ballot initiative? Uh, we've, we've seen red states, states that have trended red or even purpley red, have had ballot initi- initiatives that have gone the way of choice advocates, even Kansas. Yes. Is that even possible in Georgia? Well, no, not really, because a law allowing ballot initiatives in Georgia would need to pass. Half the states of the union do not currently have ballot initiative legislation, and and Georgia is among those. Now, Representative Shea Roberts plans to introduce a bill which would allow statewide ballot initiatives, but that bill will go nowhere fast because you have seen how much the city of Atlanta has worked against the ballot initiative on the police training facility. Mm -hmm. Um, Ballot initiatives are not a popular feature amongst Republican legislators. So the ballot initiative that we saw in some of these other states is not likely to happen in Georgia, even though polling shows us that more than 60 percent, sometimes almost as much as 70 percent, depending upon which state part of the state you poll in, of Georgians want there to be safe and legal abortions in this state. Well, I said this yesterday, Republicans do not like democracy. They've proven it time and time again that they do not wish to see democracy prevail. Um, but you know Because that's- it threatens the wealthy, yeah. slim group of people, although they're not always slim, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> who are um, in power. The the stale, pale male power structure yeah. is threatened by democratic initiatives such as a ballot initiative or um, no-excuse absentee balloting mm-hmm. or drop box voting. Mm-hmm. They, the more control they can 
legally exert over the rest of us, the longer they can stay in power. Gerrymandering at the county, the state, the federal level, you name it. Uh, back to, uh, to, to Jillian, you're a young voter. Uh, you, you see all the obstacles that have been put before the will of the people, the will of the majority. And while it has to be encouraging that you have the will of the majority uh, on your side on this particular issue, how does it, does it in any way deflate a young voter, not just you, but like your contemporaries to know that there's all these obstacles that have to be overcome to see measures uh, moving uh, causes forward? Absolutely. And it's unfortunate. Um, I have many contemporaries uh, my age and around my age who do feel hopeless. Um, You know, there is a sense of why would I vote? It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And I think um, that sort of pessimism is something that is out of the gerrymandering, is a result of the obstacles that are put in the way of actual you know, democracy. Um, And you had said before about Republicans not necessarily wanting democracy. And I mean, even we had uh, Dr. Michelle Au on our panel and she was, and Melita, correct me if I'm wrong, but from my understanding, she was taken, uh, she was a senator and she was gerrymandered and had to run as a representative. Um, And so I think, and something similar with, you know, Stacey Abrams, and you see these people who are fighting for the majority of of individuals and for the rights of individuals mm-hmm. who are time and time again defeated by those who don't represent a lot of us. Well, and we're, so, yeah, we're seeing it with Lucy McBath now as well, and and and, and by by coordination now, even Jerrica Richardson, another uh, again, you know, potential rising star within the Democratic Party. Yes, you are seeing it that way. Mm. Oh and my. so that's why I wanted to make something that I thought could help to reignite that fervor within my contemporaries and hopefully bring them to the ballot. Whether you are a woman, a man, non-binary, your vote does matter. And particularly with issues around social justice, I think it's very important to go to the ballots, particularly with local elections, to ensure that those who can make decisions on your behalf are making the decisions that you would like to see. So we live in an instant gratification society, and I have to think that for a a younger voter, Jillian, you've you've been alive since uh, we had an electoral college uh, overturned the will of the people in 2000, again in 2016, which I think sort of uh, adds to that discouragement of the embrace of our uh, election process here in the United States. But in, in a society where instant gratification is so easy for us, uh, whether it be fast food or just, again, I watched a movie last night for 18 minutes on YouTube because it was sent to me right away and didn't have to wait for it to, to or, or go to a, a theater to see it. Uh is is there any concern that knowing that it's not just about 2024, it's about 2026 and 2028 and 2030 and 2032 before you can actually start to see not just holding the line, but movement forward on a lot of these key issues. Does that sometimes deflate a voter, especially a younger voter who wants to see some tangible action now? 
I suppose it could. I'm sure that's a factor in it. Um, and I do think that to your point of instant gratification, I do think that we oftentimes feel this impassionment to go and make the change, mm. to go and post a rally, to go and post something onto, you know, Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever your mode of, of communication might be in mm. terms of social media. And oftentimes we're like, okay, did my job. That's it. I posted that. Shared this story. I did it. And, you know, it is not something that I've learned with this film is it's never really over. You know, you can be done with one task, but it's always going to be a never ending attempt to go forward. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's just the way that our society is built around, you know, uh, the, the way that our that our government works is everything seems to move at like a glacial pace. Mm -hmm. And. That can be wildly frustrating for voters, absolutely. And I do think that with more voting in of like Gen Z and, you know, younger politicians, I hope that that kind of changes. And I hope that energy and that youth can help propel forward particular movements around social justice and around rights for individuals, mm -hmm. specifically in underrepresented communities. But that's not our current state. So I want to pivot to Melita. Uh, she and I are closer in age. Let's pivot to you on that very discussion as well, because life gets in the way. We get busy. We have kids. We have families. We have soccer drop-off. Uh, we have school plays. We have the PTA, uh, this, that, and the other. Being politically active isn't always something that is at the forefront. And But yet I think for, for those of our generation, we can see the folly of disengagement or not making the time to vote in an off-cycle election or presuming that someone who's polling well is going to win an election and seeing the changes that we've seen, specifically with Roe v. Wade and now the Dobbs decision, Melita, can you speak to you know the, the danger in not making the time to make sure that you vote in every election possible? Well, you've just mentioned some important, the importance of the, the Roe v. Wade decision. Women dropped the ball on remaining vigilant about the protection of reproductive freedom. And I go back to what Maya Angelou said about when people tell you what they are, believe them the first time. Mm. As voters, we collectively, not me, because I voted for, for Democrats, <laughs> but collectively voters heard Donald Trump say certain things, but they didn't believe him the first time around. And we had some very destructive times for our country, and we had the guardrails for acceptable public behavior knocked down. Yeah. Our democracy is a vehicle on a mountainous road right now with no guardrails. Mm. Our court system has become not the respected third branch of government it was once was, but instead, um, after decades of work to to politicize the court process, the courts have become a rubber stamp for, in in some cases, the political parties which put them in power, as opposed to holding um, forth first on the um, 
the principles and guidelines of the U.S. Constitution that they swear an oath to uphold. I always think uh, of Susan Collins in that regard. <clears throat> Susan Collins didn't believe that uh, activist judges were going to go against what they said they were going to do before being sworn into the Supreme Court. And Susan Collins just acts surprised. And I don't understand how a woman of Susan Collins' tenure and education and background can be so naive. And yet, at the same time, here we are with a 6-3 conservative Supreme Court majority, and the Dobbs decision is the law of the land. The same thing can be said of as much as we love her, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Mm. because there were so many people who tried to talk her into stepping down and and allowing um, a new justice to be appointed. Rather, she waited because she wanted her resignation to be the first appointment of President Hillary Clinton. And look at what happened to our courts after that. Yeah. You know, that's an interesting point. And I'm curious what sort of impact that has on liberals' appetite for a re-election campaign with President Joe Biden being in his 80s as well. We're with Jillian Rabin from the movie L8. We're also with Melita Easters at the Georgia Winlist Executive Director. We'll have more of this discussion when the Ron Show returns on the America One Radio app, americaoneradio.com, or wherever you podcast. Final segment of the Ron Show, we are with Melita Easters, Executive Director of the Georgia Winlist, along with producer, screenwriter, actress, Jillian Rabin, the award-winning short film called L8, set in the not-so-distant future, and you would think dystopian, except uh, a lot of this is ripped from the headlines. Uh, a Texas girl finds out she is pregnant and needs to report her menstrual cycle to the state or else, and wants to leave the state to get the abortion care she and her boyfriend both agree they want, and yet she can't leave the state without reporting her latest menstrual cycle. And using the app to do so, if she submits her own blood sample and the state realizes she's pregnant, she can't leave the state. Very Handmaid's Tales kind of stuff, except it's not all that far from reality today. So before we get back to the film, Melita and I were talking just before we went to break uh, about political realities and Ruth Bader Ginsburg deciding not to step down uh, despite her age and how that wound up working, waiting for the Hillary Clinton presidency that never would be to replace her on the Supreme Court. I'm curious, do you also kind of posit that maybe that that may have some factor in the way uh, left-leaning voters feel about President Joe Biden and his re-election prospects at his age? It, it may be. The thing is, the Democratic Party at the national level and locally is not doing a good job of messaging right now. Right. President Biden has many, many, many accomplishments, and he has restored our standing in the world. The um, the improvements to the infrastructure and the economy are massive, but mm. we're not communicating those as well as we should. The, the, the other thing is that, that we have a media which, in their goal of being fair, so to speak, fails to call out the Trump MAGA lies for the lies that they are. They are giving um, 
some of, of, of those pronouncements and lies the coverage that in the old days they would never have received. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. In an, in, in an effort to be fair uh, or to provide equal time, they're providing equal time to fact versus absolute nonsense, unfortunately. Well, I mean, they're, they're legitimizing people, it. There are many people who believe that this country started on the path it is currently um, on when President Reagan um, set aside the Fairness Doctrine and expedited a passport for Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, Rush Limbaugh, yeah. Well, Rupert Murdoch established the platform that gave all the others their audience. And, 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 and that is an audience they could not have created if the fairness doctrine had still been in place. It's an uphill climb that we have to uh, continue fighting ladies. Uh, I want to uh, remind everybody that the, uh, the L eight short film again is available. It, it, we have the link uh, on our YouTube. We'll uh, not on our YouTube, but we'll have the YouTube link at ronshowatl.com. Uh, Jillian Raven, real quick again, if anyone would like to host a screening or have a panel discussion, how, how do they go about doing that? Well, you can go to L eight, the official short.com. Um, there's a contact form at the bottom of that page you feel free to reach out via that. You can also email us at l.8.theofficialshort at gmail.com or reach out to us on Instagram. Um, any form of communication, we will get back to you um, and are happy to help host a screening, to help prepare discussion questions, anything to keep this conversation going forward and making it a productive one. Absolutely necessary. All right, Jillian Rabin, Melita Easters, I thank you so much for joining us today on The Ron Show. Thank you for having us. My pleasure. I want to point out, by the way, the panel discussion, which we'll have the link for as well in today's show notes at ronshowetl.com. Featured uh, one of our legislators and friend of the show, Dr. Michelle Al, who was a state senator, got gerrymandered out of her Senate district, so she ran for a state House seat to stay in the game, and thank goodness she has. She's one of the rational voices uh, on this and many topics she points out that there is, in essence, in that panel discussion, a brain drain on the medical level where doctors are in a damned if they do, damned if they don't scenario when it comes to reproductive health care. I find it ironic that Governor Brian Kemp today at the uh, Eggs and Issues breakfast has pitched some additional spending, $2 billion in additional spending, of which would include $50 million towards the creation of a new medical school at the University of Georgia to try and close the state's medical workforce gap. I would argue that maybe not being so big brother-like and draconian about health care in this state could help with that. But what do I know? Uh, there's also the prospect of Medicaid expansion. Uh, Speaker John Burns did speak to that and maybe modeling after uh, an Arkansas expansion. By the way, there's a great documentary that's out. It's called The Only Doctor, theonlydoctor.com. I'll include that in the link as well. It follows the uh, plight of Dr. Karen Kinsel and Clay County, Georgia, a county of about 2,400 people. That's right. That's the entire county's population. She is the one doctor running the one clinic in Clay County, Georgia, and she pretty much does it on a volunteer basis because there's not much income in Clay County, Georgia. And there are, by the way, Clay County is not even the least populous county in the state of Georgia, just the fourth least populous 
there are three counties smaller than Clay County, and you have to imagine that they too have the same sort of lack of healthcare access issues that Karen, Dr. Karen Kinsel and the citizens of Clay County experience as well. I'll include that in today's show notes as well at ronshowatl.com. Anyway, just a riveting discussion. I want to thank again Jillian Rabin. She is the producer, the screenwriter, the actress, the short film. It's 18 minutes. Give yourself that much time to watch this. It's such an important topic of conversation. Again, in the show notes at ronshowatl.com. It's called L8. I'll even have links to the website if you'd like to donate to help get screenings done and panel discussions abroad. And of course, I want to thank Melita Easter's executive director of the Georgia Win List for not only being on the show, but bringing Jillian and this movie to our attention as well. Show notes and more at ronshowatl.com. Back tomorrow at 5 to 6 p.m. on the American One Radio app, americanradio.com, wherever you podcast. Have a good one.